and welcome to another episode of A Little Spooky. This is the show where we talk about things that spook us just a little bit, like cryptids, conspiracy theories, urban legends, UFOs. We're taking a big juicy sip of the juice at the bottom of the garbage can. My name's Colleen. My name's Everett. Two things. I thought you were just going to say taking a nice big juicy shit. I'm glad you did it. And second, that's not really spooky. It's just kind of gross. Why would anyone do that? I don't know. I thought of it spooks me out. But the, honestly, the whole time, every time I start with this is the show where I want to go, this is the show where everything's made up and the points don't matter. That's right, folks. The points are like soap in a men's bathroom. Ha ha ha. Whose uh, line is it anyways? Yeah. It's a great show. It's like a, 20 year dated I don't, reference. I don't care. Everybody has their favorite like comedy duo. You know, like some people, Key and Peel, some Abbott and Costello, those two guys from Scrubs. But you're saying Colin Mockery Colin Mockery and Ryan Styles. They're just a classic comedy <laughs> duo. And I love them. We can never live up to them. No, nobody ever could. I'm not even calling myself funny at all. I'm just pointing out the fact that I admire them greatly. I'm Anyways, proud, I'm proud of you. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> so today I want to talk about a cryptid because it's been a hot minute. It's been a while since we've done one. Well, we did the Beast of Gévaudan. It was, it was a few weeks ago. Though. It was a while ago. And yeah. also I do want to preface this actually even before I get into today's episode. Sorry for missing last week's episode. We had a busy week. We did have a busy week. And I also want to throw out there that I was planning on doing an episode on Rasputin, possibly even a short series but I feel like the timing <laughs> on doing a time. Russian historical figure is probably not... It's just not the time. No. It's not. But someday, because it is fascinating. So, I want to talk about a cryptid. And a while back, Chris, from Saturday Morning Cartoon Boom, also on Nerdsloth, gifted Colleen and I a book, a field guide to cryptids. It's pretty awesome. I, I will say I know about half of them in here. You know, there's a lot of popular ones, obviously, like Yeti, Bigfoot, yeah. Loch Ness Monster, all of those fun ones. But then there's ones I've, I've never heard of. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to do an episode on one I've never heard of. And this one caught my eye. And I want to say, when it comes to cryptids, I feel like, other than miscellaneous ones, there's like three major categories. There's various Bigfoots, because there's like a different type of Bigfoot in pretty much every region in the world. And especially in the United States, I feel like every geographical region has one, like Swamp Ape versus Bigfoot versus blah, blah, blah. Big feet, if you will. Right. Other major category is monsters or prehistoric animals that are thought to still be alive today. I feel mm -hmm. like that's a big one. Sure. And then the overwhelming large amount of lake monsters is the other popular one. And I think quantity-wise... That takes the cake. There are so many different lake monsters from yeah. across the world. And I well, feel like lake monsters are the most easily disproven monsters. Yes. Now, uh, ocean monsters. Yeah. That, that's who knows different. what the fuck is That's completely in the ocean. different. I, I do want to say, though, with lake monsters, because we will be talking about one in particular today, lake monsters are generally the same. Obviously, Loch Ness, Nessie, has the most popular one. But all in all, they're roughly the same type of cryptid, just like a dinosaur-like, sea sure. serpent-like type animal living at the bottom of a lake, sightings all the time, blah, blah, blah. I don't, mermaids are, I mean, I feel like there's some different ones. No, there, there are different ones, but I mean, I feel like every large lake has one of these. Okay. And 
This one is different. You'll soon see why. I like okay. this one. So today we're talking about the Iliamna Lake Monster, Iliamna. also known as Illy, because they always have to have a nickname like that. Can Can you tell me what language that is? I don't know which that one is, but there are old names for this monster, okay. which come from different uh, native languages. Okay, so this is a North American. Yes, so this is in Alaska. Okay, I shouldn't. I mean, I shouldn't assume North American, but we're talking. Yes, so it's America. it is also called the Ganakadet in Tlingit and the Jigiknak in Aleutian. Huh. Now the reason this one is different is because. It is said, at least in these older interpretations from uh, native peoples, mm -hmm. that it's the body of an orca or some sort of whale-like, you know, fish type thing, mm -hmm. but with the head and tail of a bear. Wait, bears have tails? I mean, they've got like little nub tails. Or excuse me, not a bear. I don't know why I said bear. A wolf. Okay, okay. Makes more yeah, sense. Yes, I, I don't know why I was thinking bears. I think it's just because <laughs> we're talking weird about to Alaska. Point that out. Got it. Okay, head and tail of a wolf. Yes. Interesting. But it, it has fins. Yes. So otherwise it is a fish. How's a, a wolf tail monster? How's a wolf tail gonna help you navigate the seas? Also how to get the fuzzies, but then not the fuzzies. Uh, to be fair, orcas are mammals. That's true. So let's talk a little bit about it. This monster has been reported to have sightings that have even caused deaths. It's not only just sightings, but it's possible physical murder associated with this monster. Okay. Over the years, it has gained more and more attention, not so much in recent years, but there was enough attention for it to appear on an episode of River Monsters on Animal Planet. All right. So if you want to watch that, go ahead. The monster is reported to be anywhere between 10 and 30 feet, but usually people say it's about 25 feet. Square-like head that's used to basically ram into boats, much like a... Ram with a wolf's head? Yeah. See, that's the thing. That's the ancient interpretation. Okay. The sightings vary. Sure. In modern well, times. Yeah. Okay. Regardless, it's a monster in this specific lake. Now, let's talk a little bit about the lake itself, because I think this is why it's also a little more interesting, because this lake is very secluded. It's not like Loch Ness, where there's like a little village next door or on its border. There are people that live around this lake, but really the only way to get to it is by plane. Otherwise, it's pretty much inaccessible. But I don't know if you can answer this, but I assume there were people living here in ancient times. Otherwise, there would not have. I mean. Yeah. OK, so it's, you're it's, just saying at the moment right now, it's moderately right. inaccessible. Right. And I mean, it, I don't know if it's I, I know the lake itself is 50 feet above sea level. So I don't know if it's kind of like rough terrain and then you have to kind of go up a little bit to get to it. Mm -hmm. But. Most of these sightings we'll see are by plane. Okay. Flying low. Over. But it, it, it's been around long enough that there were likely people living closer to it in the past. I don't know. Okay. 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 Got it. <laughs> so the, the lake is secluded, like I said, but it's also freaking huge. And it's the largest freshwater lake in Alaska. Uh, it's 77 miles at its longest length and 22 miles at its longest width. Wow. Its deepest point is 988 feet, and the average depth is 144 feet. But with a depth of nearly 1,000 feet, and it's such a large lake, 
that's obviously a lot larger than it's a, a lot huge of these. lake. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely nowhere near the Great Lakes that we're more accustomed to around here. Well, sure, but, but it's it's a big enough lake to potentially hold a large beast. Yeah. Yes. So, like I said, due to the remote location, access to this lake is pretty much restricted to airplanes, and usually they're float planes with their little buoy legs where you sure. land on the water. No roads currently connect any of the communities on the lake to the surrounding areas. So there are small communities around the lake. Okay. But it's you have to fly there. Now, why would anybody want to fly there? Well, I mean, there are people that live there, so they might want to leave and then come I, back, you know? Sh- <laughs> <laughs> I guess I meant to the lake in particular. Is there a reason to visit the lake? Do people like hang out at the lake. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I don't know if there's like much of a cabin or like camping type thing or touristy stuff other than this beast, but I think there's fishing and stuff. That okay. So people lake. do go to the lake. You may, to me in my mind, when you said it was very secu- secluded and hard to get to, that makes it seem like nobody goes to it. No, I didn't mean that, but I will say compared to like Loch Ness or Lake Champlain where all these other famous cryptids are from, there is a lot less traffic. Sure. Okay. Got you. So during the summer months, it is actually possible to travel to this lake by a river using a small boat, but that otherwise it's just plains. And the region is very, very sparsely populated. So there's not a lot of people around, like we said. Mm -hmm. Um, Fishing and hunting is common. And I forgot I put this down. There are people that have been living here for centuries, too. So that you were kind of bringing up that point earlier. Okay. So this is something that, or a lake that has been inhabited for quite some time. Okay. So the earliest reports of a monster living in this area were from the Tlingit people. And like I said earlier, they referred to it as the Ganakadet. And it was originally described as the head of a wolf, body of an orca. And apparently that's similar to something called the Akhlut. That's not something I've ever heard of. Is uh-uh. that something you've heard of? No. They basically, I wouldn't say they worshipped this thing, but they kind of revered it as a deity. And oh. they kind of thought of it as the fish god because they were around this lake. The lake is so important to them. And if they believe in this giant 25 to 30 foot fish monster, that it's like the leader, the god of the fish. Sure, that makes sense. Now, when... My first thought would be more of like a Wendigo situation where it was created to keep people away from the lake. But what? this seems to be the opposite. Let's not even assume it was created. Sure. Uh, okay. No, you're right. But I guess to me, if you were like, hey, there's a giant monster in the lake, I wouldn't be like, oh, cool. That's like the god of fish. I would be like, holy shit, I'm staying away from that lake. Well, we we call it a monster, but they revered yes. it. No, you're right. Got it. And other early reports of the monster came from the Eluit people, and they described it as a monster. They didn't revere it as a deity of any sort. Mm -hmm. They thought that it would attack canoes and kill warriors, and it was the most feared thing in their culture, and they would always go on expeditions to try and hunt it down. That's so interesting that there would be such different viewpoints of the same thing. Right. So these two conflicting viewpoints in more modern times have inspired a lot of people to go looking for this thing. Basically the white man to go looking for this thing. Well, yeah, of course, of course. 
Sightings started to pop up in the 40s and 50s and then over the next several decades. Sightings by a white man? Yes. <laughs> okay. The white man. <laughs> Got it. So the, the reports that started coming up in these more modern decades were not really of a wolf-orca hybrid. It was just a giant fish that was the color of like a dull brushed metal type aluminum. Huh. So silvery like, fish. Yeah, a silvery, a dull silvery fish. Okay. Like a tarnished silver. And Interesting distinction. Right. People would fly over this thing and see this giant fish in the water. And like uh, uh, initially when you're flying above it, it looks like a speck in the water because you're so high. Yeah. But the contrast in the blue and black waters, because it's so deep, it's very apparent that there's something there. And then you fly lower and there's this giant fish of some kind. Now, it couldn't just be like a sunken boat. Mm. So let's talk about some specific sightings and we'll think, we'll see what other people thought when they saw it. Okay. Uh, but first, I do want to say in 1979, the Anchorage Daily News, because it, the legend became so popular, offered a reward basically of $100,000 to anyone that could provide definitive evidence of the existence of this thing. Badass. To this day, it's never been actually given out because. No one can provide right evidence. to me that would that would spark false sightings offering a reward. I F mean, I know you have to provide definitive proof, but right. take that famous picture of the Loch Ness monster, right? People or the, consider that proof. The footage of Bigfoot walking, yes. right? The first major sighting for Illy. I'm going to just call it Illy from now on because that's right. easier. Was in 1942. Okay, Babe Alisworth and Bill Hammersley were on a direct flight over the lake, and they were going to pass over the village of Iliamna. The pilot was Aylesworth, and he was flying his own ferry plane across this water when he noticed, like I said earlier, some unusual-looking specks in the water that contrasted with the blue and black water. So they decided to move closer to the lake, which was not on their original course, or it was, but not the center of the lake. So they kind of went off course, towards this thing in the water. Sure. And as it moved closer to the things that they saw, they were able to see that these were actually giant fish and not just one, multiple. Which and is conceivable. Aylesworth went around in circles over the water, kind of going lower and lower, descending mm -hmm. altitude. Mm -hmm. And they were trying to get a closer look. And both of them got a good look on their second pass and described it as a dull aluminum fish with heads that were broad and blunt. The width of their long tapered bodies was the same as that of their heads, and their vertical tails slowly waved from side to side. So that sounds like a regular fish, like a kind of catfish-shaped fish. You and I, well, we live right on Lake Superior. Mm -hmm. we, we can see Lake Superior from our house. We live in the same town as the Great Lakes Aquarium. Yeah. Those fish... So the Great Lakes Aquarium is a freshwater aquarium, and it's the basically it's it's to show you the wildlife that live in Lake Superior. Yeah, those fish get huge. They get huge, and I imagine in Lake Superior, a huge lake, places that like people don't generally go, the fish get gigantor. Oh, yeah, for sure. I imagine it's similar in another freshwater lake in Alaska. 
that there are fucking giant ass fish. Absolutely. And it's definitely not, I would assume it's not as commercially fished as Lake Superior is. Yeah. So there is probably more ancient large fish in that lake. Yeah. And don't fish like get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger as they get older and older? Depending on the fish. But yeah, for sure. I don't know much about fish. The lakes that I grew up on were small Tiny little lakes, you know, man-made lakes or just small lakes with small fish. But right. when we moved here, I have learned how fucking huge fish can get, like, massive. Right. So it, it just, it doesn't seem like a monster to me. I'd be shocked to see a giant fish. Well, the but- the thing is, with this monster, even if it is just a giant fish, the reason it's considered a monster is because people believe this has killed people. Yeah, yeah, okay, yes. So more like a shark than a fish. Possibly. We don't know. So they're going more and more down, trying to get a better look at this. And then when they get close enough, about 1,000 feet to about 500 feet closer to the surface, mm-hmm. they get a, a really good look at what is actually there. It's not just one thing. It's many fish. And they originally, at their the the height of their original altitude, thought it was probably about ten feet long, but that was a low estimate. Okay, this thing was huge and was bigger than the planes, and this was one of those uh, what are they called? The way we mentioned it earlier, where it lands on the water. Sure, um, it's it was bigger than the length of the pontoon pontoon thing that. The buoy, basically. Sure. So it was about 25 to 30 feet long, Damn. each one, and there were several of them. Each one. Okay. So I was thinking, when you said many fish, I'm thinking a school of smaller fish that they mistook to be one large fish, but we're talking just a lot of really fucking huge fish. Yeah. They, they basically just said several dozen. So I'm just wow. going to okay. say between 30 and 40 fish. So they circled the area a little bit longer, and they're trying to, you know, just observe more, and... As they're trying to talk to each other and debate what they're seeing, they determined that it could not have been a whale due to the tail movement and the fact that the creatures never surfaced for air. So because it never surfaced for air, it could not be a mammal. Sure, sure. But again, sharks are large non-mammals. True. (laughs) I don't know that they get 25 feet long. I don't know how big sharks get. also fresh water, too. True. So some time passes, and then eventually... Hammersley, which is one of the men, the two men that were on that flight, published a short article on this school of mystery fish. Mm -hmm. And it it did gain quite a bit of traction. And in 1945, another sighting happened. Larry Roast, who is a pilot for the U.S. Coast and Geodetic Survey, flew over the lake and at about 100 feet or a height of 100 feet, He saw what he claimed to be a giant fish more than 20 feet long and had that same dull aluminum color. Okay. In 1963, a biologist reported seeing a 25 to 30 foot fish from overhead and also noted it never came up for air. In 1967, an Alaska missionary named Chuck... Crapachusets. There's no (laughs) way that's real. There's no way that's how you pronounce it. But if so... Sweet. I'm just going to show Colleen this. <laughs> the name Crapachusets. 1967. No, not Crapachusets. <laughs> but it, it is Crapachusets. <laughs> it's almost worse. 
It's like crap shits. Poor guy. Okay. <laughs> so let's just call him Chuck. Yeah, okay. Poor Chuck. Chuck claims to have seen the monster twice. Once he was uh, on a float plane and saw a large animal in the water. He got on the radio and tried to call some other people around to try and verify the sighting, but nobody was able to get there in time. Then one of his friends went around looking for it, and he took a steel cable and put a huge, what's called a number two tuna hook. It's just a really thick, sturdy hook. Mm-hmm. He put it in the water and tried to bait it with caribou, put it in the water, and then basically it straightened the hook. What? Yeah. It is, there proof of the, is there picture proof of that? I'm going to say no. Okay, sure. <laughs> just it seems like that would be easily proven, or at least some kind of evidence if, I'm, if it fucking straightens a hook. And the hook before it was straightened is about 8 to 10 inches long, so it, and like really thick, because it's got to carry these big-ass tuna, right? Yeah. It just straightened it. Whatever grabbed onto it, it just straightened the hook. That's spooky. They thought... That it could have been a beluga whale. In a lake? Because they've been known to go up the same river at times that people use to access this lake during the summertime. But there's never been a sighting of these whales in the lake itself. Sure. In 1977, a veteran pilot named Tim Laporte was flying over and spotted a 12 to 14 foot fish on the surface as he dove down revealing a vertical tail. He and his two passengers witnessed the beast making a big arcing splash and dive straight down as the plane got closer. Laporte remembers watching the animal's large vertical tail moving as the animal sounded. Laporte and his two passengers estimated the creature to be roughly 12 to 14 feet and had a dark gray or dark brown color. Okay, so that sounds like a completely different animal to me, other than the vertical tail. Right. It it is significantly smaller than most sightings, too. Dull gray, or what did he say? It was a dark gray. It could be the same thing. But he said dark gray. Unless we're talking like a juvenile version (laughs) of. It's possible. But there were multiple fish from that first sighting, too. So, as we know, with many fish, they can come in a variety of colors, too, even though it's the same species. Sure. In 1987, a resident in the area named Verna reported seeing a large blackfish with a white stripe down its fin. That one is weird to me because that one is very that's different. Very, yes, that's and how big is large? Didn't specify. That sounds like a killer whale. In Well, I mean, that goes in line with the original stories of it, too, I guess, if it's an orca-like yeah. creature. In 1988... Several more locals reported the same sighting from water and land, a large black fish with a fin swimming near the surface. And I mean, there's not much details with those last two, but they were notable, I guess, enough for the locals to be different from what they normally see. Mm -hmm. So those are just the, like, highlighted sightings, but there's been dozens and dozens more of these sightings of this fish, beast, whatever you want to call it. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, most of them were in the 40s and 50s, especially after that reward was offered for, you know, sure, yes, proof yeah. of it. There was another kind of small resurgence of hunting this fish after that episode of the Animal Planet show was aired. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, after the 80s and even still today, 
it's not really something that's hunted anymore or looked for. Um, so it has kind of died out, but the local people, uh, local residents of uh, Lake Iliamna do kind of embrace it in the same way that when we went to Rhinelander, Wisconsin, half the town embraces the idea of the hodag, but the others just don't care about it. I get that vibe from this. But, but uh, the difference is in Rhinelander, Wisconsin, it's embraced as a joke. Do you know what I mean? True. I, and I don't know if that's the vibe in that town towards, what was yeah. it, Ely? Iliamna or, or Ely, yes, Ely. the monster, yeah. I gotta believe there's something in that lake. If there have been rumors about it for hundreds of years from mm -hmm. different nations of people, I gotta believe there's something, inter like maybe some giant-ass fish species. I don't believe that it's one animal that's lived in there for hundreds of years. Right. But I, I guess my question is, I feel like this is something that'd be so easily proven today. You would think, but people also still can't prove or disprove the exis existence of Nessie. And but Loch Ness is significantly smaller than this lake. But they have basically disproved it because haven't they done like combs and echoes and That's true. all sorts of scientific testing? I just think specifically with Illy, since it's not as notable, the lake is significantly larger and deeper. There haven't really been a whole lot of deep investigations into this other than just people you know going on a hunt for it yeah how cool would it be if there was a badass like sea god in there that'd be awesome let's talk about some theories okay but can you tell me about the murders see and that's the thing it's been reported that this thing whether it's one or multiple of the same type of fish it's been reported that they were the cause of certain deaths but my understanding is it could have easily just been people drowning in their kayaks or canoes on the lake. But people say, oh, this thing must have rammed into it or rammed into them and caused them to drown. Okay. So, so it's like, more legend. Yeah, it's a legend. More Got so. it. But let's talk about some theories. Uh, the first one, I'm not so keen on. Okay. But the book that I mentioned earlier that Chris got for Colin and I mentioned this one. And... It, Maybe, maybe not. Could be a sleeper shark. Sleeper shark is a species of shark that is native to this area of Alaska, but it is a saltwater fish. Okay. So it would be odd for it to, you know, swim up the river and into this freshwater lake and survive. Don't salmon do that? Yeah, but they're like, you know, they've evolved to do that. It would be very weird for a sleeper shark, whether it's mating or whatever, sure. be in a freshwater location. But the reason okay. that this is brought up as an a possible explanation is because the color would match to that dull gray or aluminum color. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't be very shiny like a lot of these sightings were, mm -hmm. but it matches somewhat to the color. Size, you could argue... It could potentially reach the size of maybe 20 feet, but that would be a pretty gargantuan sleeper shark. Mm -hmm. But that's kind of why I don't know about this one specifically. And this, this book that I'm reading this from doesn't really give a lot of details. It just says, hey, maybe that's it. But the one that I think is more likely, and Colleen brought up the aquarium in Duluth, Minnesota, sturgeon. Yeah, I mean, like, those fish get huge. Now, 25 feet is 
excessively large? I don't know if it is. So with sturgeon, they have been known to get up to 20 feet in length. Really? I mean, they don't have them that big at the aquarium, but they're no, like but eight they, to ten feet at the aquarium. But That's they can huge. get up; they can get up to at least twenty feet when they reach a certain age. That's insane. And people theorize that they can get even bigger too if left alone long enough. They can also get up to fifteen hundred pounds. So that that would is explain, a fucking fish god. It really is, and it could explain the the dimensions that the initial sighting described of it being not only long but also thick, too. Yeah. And the color... Sturgeon come in a wide variety of colors, too, as many people may know. But with this dull aluminum color that's always noted, that is a fairly common color. There's these, like, you know, shiny, scaly, almost armor-plated-looking fish. Mm -hmm. That's what a sturgeon is. And it could easily reflect that light up into the sky when people are flying over it especially if it's flying clo- or swimming close to the surface. It would also explain why it would never come up for air because it's a fucking fish, not a mammal. Mm-hmm. And, and it would explain why there would be more than one. Yes, because they do tend to, I don't, I, I don't know if school is the right word, but group together. Well, and I imagine, I mean, if people are fishing on that lake, it doesn't seem like there are people fishing that often. It would be very easy for a sturgeon to hang out and live in a lake that large mm-hmm. and survive and for deep, many, many years. That deep, too. Yeah. sturgeon are known to live up to 100 years also. Fucking insane. You know yeah. what? Spooky fish. And also notable, uh, sturgeon do have vertical tails. Mm-hmm. And they do have... They got it, those teeth, man, don't they? they? Yeah, they're, they got the teeth. They got the little whiskers, too, which, you know, maybe that's why people said it had a wolf head in the sure. centuries past. Sure. Um, p- fairly large fins on some of them, too, which may or may not be related. But I just thought I'd point that out there, too. So I think that's a more likely explanation, especially given the, how big sturgeon can get, and how yeah. long they live. Or it could be something that is prehistoric and isolated to this lake because it's so deep and it's just living down there yeah that's the other thing i was thinking like maybe it is a species of fish known only to this lake possibly i I mean mean, i guess there's like a river that there is river access but it's from my understanding it's a very small river so if a fish is that big maybe it just has trouble leaving the lake yeah why would it want to anyway this went from badass wolf whale to large fish real fast. Yeah. But you know what? <laughs> fish are terrifying. And I, I, I'm sorry this this wasn't super detailed, but I feel like this is something that is worth exploring, just the idea of a lake monster in general. And I think someday in the future, we'll do an episode on the Loch Ness Monster too, because yeah. there's more stories with that one. But this is kind of our episode of this is basically all lake monsters, <laughs> except we will probably do a Loch Ness, monster, Loch Ness Monster episode in the future. But otherwise, I think we got lake monsters covered. Yeah, this was a pretty chill episode, but we're coming back from our hiatus. We've had a pretty busy couple weeks. But you know what? I got some news stories for you. Lay it on me. I'm about to. Okay. This is right up your alley. This is why I don't let you buy things off the internet. Shopper spots creepy warning for painting listed on eBay as man claims that it's cursed. 
An unusual eBay item is likely to leave shoppers feeling very unnerved as the listing for a painting claims the artwork is cursed and comes with a creepy warning for those brave enough to bid. Now, this comes from the source of all truth. Wait, let me guess. Uh, the mirror. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and we knew it was going to be the mirror or the other one, the Di- sun. Directly from the mirror, written today. This oh. is fresh off the presses. Okay. As a collector of weird things, Dan Smith, which I don't think is re- is his real name because there is an asterisk after his name, which <laughs> makes me think that's probably... You'll, you'll get to the bottom of the article and it just says, this is a fake ass name. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He claims he was struck by the strangeness of a painting that he spotted during a visit to a local flea market and he knew then and there that he wanted to bring it home with him. Now I'm going to show you this picture and I want you to tell me if this is a painting that you would immediately feel that you need to bring home with you. Please describe. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> okay, so what I see here is a very chonky kid with a somewhat look Raggedy Ann looking doll. Yeah. I do want to note though that the child's hand is making finger guns. And I like that. <laughs> so they're both dolls. <laughs> Oh, they are both dolls. Yes. Okay, yeah. one looks more doll-like than the other. One's like a baby doll, and the other one's like a rag doll. Okay. So. I mean, it's a painting, so neither of them are dolls, but yes. Now, as he's at the flea market, just entranced by this picture, and I'm going to point out, it's not well painted. Not really. The woman selling it was warning him, do not buy this artwork. Now, question to me. Why are you selling it at a flea market if you're going to warn interested parties that they shouldn't buy it? Bring in more eyes, I guess. Anyways. More, more paying hands. He chose not to listen, and upon reflection, he now regards this purchase as being the ultimate bad decision. And it has since wreaked havoc upon his life. So the artwork in question shows two dolls seated together against a greenish-blue background. One is a blonde baby doll in a pink dress, and the other is a Raggedy Ann-style doll. Yeah. So he is now trying to sell this painting on eBay for 50 bucks. That is a hefty price tag for something you've described as having ruined your life. But some, some people are really into this. And I mean, I know you said I might buy something like this. I would consider buying a supposedly haunted painting, but not this particular one. Because I just don't like it. It's bad. Now... The writer, author of this article says that the de- product description on eBay is probably putting buyers off because Dan claims that the picture makes you think of rebirth, but Does he not. has since <laughs> changed his mind and feels that the picture only represents the ends of things. So since buying the artwork, he alleges to have experienced a downward spiral destroying his health, sleep, and his beloved pet hamster. <laughs> the product description reads, Beware, cursed vintage painting dolls art, creepy, eerie, warning, 1967. The woman at the flea market warned me before buying this, and I will warn you, no good can come from this painting. I didn't think much of it at the time and just assumed she was one of those oddball dealers hawking their wares for cheap. As for the painting, it looked adorable, with two innocent-seeming dolls portrayed in it, but she was right. Don't be deceived. I don't know whose cursed blood was mixed in with the paint to create this piece, but its powers are strong. Now, okay. After looking at this image, uh, a grown man is describing this painting as adorable and having made him think of rebirth. Yeah, gross. You are a grown man. Would you have called this adorable? And 
Is no. an adorable painting something that you look for? Now, I know everybody has different tastes in art. My grandfather had some weird paintings of, like, just abstract stuff. That's not my taste. But he loved them. I don't know that even he would go for blonde, soulless pink doll. Does not remind me of Rebirth, either. No. He goes on to claim that soon after taking the painting home, he hit an epic losing streak, started feeling chills, was unable to sleep, and he discovered a gruesome insect infestation in his property. Things took a darker turn for the worse as he checked on his hamster only to find out that she died despite being in perfect health the previous day. It's almost like the insect infestation was the cause of him feeling shitty and his hamster did that. <laughs> almost, maybe. Now, you could blame that on the painting if there were insects like in the frame that he brought into his house. I would just blame the insects. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily, or I'd blame the freaking flea market lady for not checking out the frame. It puts a new definition to flea market. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, um, you can definitely buy this piece. It's on eBay. I don't know why no he way. doesn't b- burn it. There's no way. It's only 50 bucks now. After being published in The Sun, even as, wait, or no, The Mirror, you said. The Mirror, yep. After being put in The Mirror, even though The Mirror is one of those joke tabloid type websites, there's no way. It's only 50 bucks now. Okay, so he, here's the thing, though. A good frame is 50 bucks. He's selling it with the frame. You could just, you pick up a decent frame for 50 bucks. Is there a link to the eBay posting? I'm just curious how much it is now. Um, You could just, you could look it up. Um, It was called Beware Cursed Vintage Painting Dolls Art Creepy Eerie Warning 1967. That is such an eBay posting. <laughs> no, but here's the best part. Not the best part, but they end the article by saying it's signed by the artist it's signed with the initials MNP367. 367 being March 1967, probably when the painting was creating. Of course, the initials could also just stand for something like, quote, many nightmares and phobias. Stupid. <laughs> Which is what the artwork leads to. So, Dan, I hope you sell your painting. I don't, um, they do explain why he hasn't burned it. Um, he says that setting the painting on fire could rid the world of wickedness, but it could just as easily unleash whatever evil is inside the painting. So, I mean, 50-50 shot. So maybe buy it. And maybe take burn that part chance of it. yourself. Yeah, maybe just burn part of it at a time. And that's just going to piss whoever's in it off. Yeah. Um, I want to ask, because this reminded me, have you ever heard of the crying boy curse? Yes. And oh. I wanted to do an episode on it. Oh. We should do a mini-sode on it. For our Patreon. Um, yeah, I just wanted to show yeah. There are certain paintings that I will never understand people's interest in. There are, like, I, I don't, under, I won't, I will never get this doll painting. Why you would paint this cursed thing in the first place? I have questions. And since we mentioned it, just very quickly to mention what the, the Crying Boy painting is. It was like a mass-produced painting that a lot of people in the UK had hung up for whatever fucking stupid reason. I don't know why it was popular, but there were a lot of houses it's that... It's a painting of a sad, crying boy. Yeah, and a lot of people's houses over several years would burn down just you know from natural whatever causes, not the painting itself. But after the house would burn, 
the painting is the only thing left untouched. Dun, dun, dun. And that happened. Well, allegedly. No, for sure. They brought out paintings and like people bought them as cursed paintings. It's attributed to like some sort of varnish that's like a fire retardant on it. Because no matter how much you hate the painting, you can't kill it. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. So it just reminded me of that, but yeah. I have one more story, quick one. Woman who has daily alien encounters says blue-skinned creatures are testing the waters. So another story of possible aliens on Earth. Okay, I'm a little confused. you got to explain this to me. Okay, so there's a woman um, in, let me see, St. Louis, Missouri, who has daily alien encounters. So after lockdown in 2020... She got into astrophotography and um, wait, astro astrophotography. Okay. So okay. basically, just taking pictures of outer space. With, yeah, with a telescope. Yeah. Right. Yes. Um, now, not a day goes by that she doesn't see a floating orb, metallic ship, or extraterrestrial being, and she can even describe what they look like. Um, she says one of the aliens was a girl with light blue skin, no hair, and that um, she was very beautiful and wearing a skin tight gray suit. Okay. The why, why do these aliens always have to have skin-tight jumpsuits? Yeah, I'm not... Well, I guess ease of movement. Unless it's, like, made out of latex or well, something. Why Why can't they just be, like, the greys and just not wear anything? See, that's my thing. Well, what if What if it's, like, a suit... it's chilly. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. <laughs> what if it's, like, an ultralight, you know, but warm fabric? Basically, mm-hmm. basically Use super, your brain. super under armor? Yeah. Anyways, um, she's also seen a group of beings with light blonde hair, fair skin, and blue eyes. The Nords. The Nords, yeah. They send images of themselves to her through telepathy. And she thinks that the aliens are testing the waters with her because they knew she was recording. Uh, but they wanted to give her some space to process the experience before appearing to her again. <laughs> gotta give you some space. They definitely hooked up. Oh, I didn't even think of that. But this is just more obvious proof that aliens are among us and who's the real imposter among us colleen (sighs) the truth is out there (laughs) yep (laughs) (laughs) anyways sorry for this mishmash episode hope you enjoyed it and uh we will have a little more organized episodes in the very near future yes and i'm actually really 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 excited about the topic i'm doing next week However, in the meantime, if you have a story you want to send to us, whether it's something you come across or you have a personal story, you can send it to us to read on the podcast. You can send it to Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. All are at NerdslothHQ. Or you can email us at podcasts at NerdSloth.com. And uh, that's it for this week. This was our comeback episode. And we're going to come back again next week. We're going to come back next week with something even tastier. Okay, we'll see you. And we love you. Love you. Bye. Bye. Presented by NerdSloth. A place for lazy nerds. If you like what you heard, consider donating at patreon.com slash nerdsloth so we can continue bringing you quality shows. Be sure to also leave us a review and share your favorite episodes and clips on social media. If you're looking for more content, visit us at nerdsloth.com.